TFA fam, what is up? What is fucking happening? We are back again. Today, we are going to be discussing the 2022 rookie wide receivers, you know, the best position in this class. And we are joined once again by a very special guest making his second appearance, but it's been a long journey for this guest. It's been a very long journey. He is. He started his way. He worked his way up in the fantasy industry. He was crushing it. Got to PFF, Rotor Wonderworld, killing it. And you know what he said? You know what? Fuck it. I want to try something different. So he went over, jumped over to the gaming streets where it's very competitive, I might add. Worked his way up. I mean, was killing it over on Twitch with the clap back crew, right? Went on to Twi- went on to TikToks. You know what? I'm going to crush it over there too. 35,000 subs over there. And then you know what he said? You know what? I think I'm ready to come back. I'm ready to put the Batman cape back on, and I'm ready to jump back in. And that is one, Jesse Reeves. We are excited to have you today. Welcome back. Hell of an intro, man. Hell of an intro there. You're giving me too much praise. Uh, and and like I did a whole lot of, you know, a whole lot of successful things. But listen, I'm just a guy, man, that likes to make content no matter what it is, whether it's gaming, whether it's football related. I mean, I'm kind of into golf now. You might see me dabble into that soon, too. You know, I'm just kind of everywhere. But um, I appreciate you guys having me on tonight. Uh, as you said, second time on, man. Um, and we're, we're, we're just going to have a good one, man. So thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate you reaching out. And also being a fellow subscriber and supporter of when I was in the gaming space. Um, really appreciate that, man. Always loved having you in the streams, hanging out and stuff, dudes. It's a great time. So I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to get on with you guys and talk a little bit of wide receivers in this class. The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. I am as well. I am as well. There's a lot of wide receivers here that I like. So I think I think this class is a little bit different for everybody. I think everybody has a little bit different flavor for even, even the top guy. There's no Jamar Chase. There's no just lock him in, number one, it, case closed. We're, we're moving on to the next guys, right? That's how it was last year. There isn't that this year. We thought maybe we were going to have that guy, but I don't know if we will. But so why don't we just start this off? Who is your number one wide receiver in this class? Oh, okay. We're starting hot and heavy. All right, let's just get right into it. Uh, Traylon Burks, man. Traylon Burks is my guy. I, I, you guys know from my my first stint in the um in the fantasy community, I'm very analytics based. So I like to create profiles based on numbers and then kind of go from there. I also dabble in film as well. Used to used to coach high school DBs and stuff, so I'm not inept when it comes to watching film and evaluating players either. That's just not really where my expertise and interests lie but at going um excuse me to build off of that point when we look at a guy like Traylon Burks like you mentioned there's no real like there's no Jamar Chase in this class there's there's not really anybody there's not even I mean I don't even know if we could say there's like a Jalen Waddle necessarily either a guy that's just going to come in and crack that you know that top 12 super easy but from everything that Traylon Burks has done in his career at Arkansas we just see a constant ascension in terms of market share of receiving yards. Um, he doesn't have the best breakout age, but I think he's a little bit of an older wide receiver anyway. So 
you can kind of discount that a little bit. I think he's going to be coming in um, at 21, if I if I'm not mistaken right. completely. Um, and uh, so for me, like I, I just think he's got the more complete profile. Um, everything that he's done from a production standpoint at Arkansas, it's just you know when he broke out at 20, he just continued to ascend, and that's what you like to see from your wide receivers um, in terms of an analytics profile on on you know kind of kind of those for lack of a better term flags um that you want to kind of check off and look at or uh, i'm kind of rambling of irrelevant terms right now but those are the things that you like to see from your wide receivers in their prospect profiles and he just kind of checks all those boxes for me so that's my one do you think do you and do you think cody that that's because so whenever pre-combine it was Traylon Burks is going to go out there and he's like the next Calvin Johnson. He's going to run a four, three, nine, and he's going to do all these marvelous things and everything. And it didn't happen, but his 40 time still wasn't bad, but we still put too much weight into the 40 time. But whenever it happens, you know, we always end up either moving guys up because of it, moving guys down because of it. But there's so many wide receivers in the NFL that win not off of straight line speed, right. That are nuanced route runners when physically gain separation in other ways. And, I think I think some of it's been overblown with Traylon Burks, and because people have now knocked him down, some people have him at five, six, seven as their wide receiver, which is just trying to be hot. And I think I think it's a little ridiculous. He's still definitely in the conversation as the best wide receiver in this class. He's probably going to be a top twenty pick. But um, where are you at on, on him, on him, Cody, on on Traylon Burks? Is he is he your number one, or is he in your top three? He hasn't moved out of my top tier. It's him and Garrett Wilson in my top tier for me. And it's crazy with Burks that someone can go out and have an 87th percentile speed score and we're all just like, bah, he sucks. So disappointing. <laughs> no, it's I, I think I think if like there's one thing you actually do want to look at him and be like, ah, well, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, not that it necessarily bothers me, but it's just odd that you have this dude who is 6'2", 225, and had 75% of his uh, career snaps from the slot. Just not. You know what I mean? You, you typically don't think of, like, that body size in the in the slot. But, like, you you to knock him for his 40 whenever, you know, at that size, it was, it was fine. I, I think this is one of those cases also where the cliche, like, he plays faster than what he tested, actually holds true for him. Like, you see him running away from the, the Bama D-backs in that game that I, I'm sure everyone's seen, seen the film on. His play speed is fine. It's just uh, it's going to be interesting to see where he lands and what kind of role that team sticks him in. Yeah, I mean, I, I he, he, I mean, he killed it from a yards after the catch per reception. He was tenth in the class, you know, and now with nine point three yards after the catch per reception, and you know, I, I think he did check a lot of boxes there. He didn't see a ton of press. He only had thirty nine snaps against press coverage, but you know, other than that. I mean, I, I don't think there's a lot to you know, that you can really nitpick with him. You know, had a tremendous 31% target share in the offense. So, I mean, he kind of was the offense there in Arkansas. So, um, I, I don't get the people that want to bash him and, uh, you know, have him at wide receiver five, six, seven, stuff like that. Um, he's definitely going to be a top 20 pick in the NFL. Um, I guess to keep it moving, um, my number two, and I don't know if this is controversial, is Jameson Williams. And I think people would be higher on Jamison Williams right now if it wasn't for the injury that he suffered um, and the national title game. I think that um, 
there is concern a little bit with his breakout age, only a tw- only a 50th percentile breakout age. Obviously, didn't break out until he transferred to Alabama. Um, didn't get really get even get an opportunity to play whenever he was at Ohio State. But you know, it's not like he went to Purdue or Wake Forest and dominated, right? I mean, he transferred to Alabama for Christ's sake and just went out and absolutely dominated this past year. 1,500 yards uh, receiving, 15 touchdowns, um, and, and was just terrific this year. And, you know, uh, we, we obviously don't have his testing numbers, but um, he absolutely torched some corners that we know have excellent speed. I think he would have been a guy that definitely would have ran in the four threes. And I, I just think he's a special player. Um, a lot of some of his numbers really uh, line up very similarly to Justin Jefferson whenever he came out. And so I, I just think that he is a very special player. And I think the only thing that people can really say about him is the fact that he tore his ACL. And I think that's the only reason why people are a little bit lower on him than they should be. Yeah, I would, I would tend to agree with that. Um, except there is an underlying fact that it's only one year of production. And I kind of struggle with that. Okay. So intuitively thinking, you know, when we look at, um, and I fired off a tweet about this and I, I can't remember. I mean, we're talking wide receivers like Benjamin Victor, KJ Hill, um, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and as you guys know, you know Benjamin Victor and KJ Hill are irrelevant players in the draft, or excuse me, not in the draft in 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 the NFL. And he couldn't seem to find his way throughout that that atmosphere at Ohio State when he was there before he transferred to Alabama. Now, weirdly enough, it took him going to the most prestigious, um, uh, you know, college program in all of college sports for him to break out, which is just kind of a mind fuck in itself, right? Like how, like it'd be different. Like if he had transferred to say Liberty and was catching passes from Malik Willis or something like that. And he had a breakout, people are going to question, you know, the level of competition, which doesn't really matter in my opinion, but it's like he went to Alabama who has a really, really high conference draft hit rate, you know, like per um, P- uh, Peter Howard's database and stuff. He does a lot of really, really good work with, how many players come out of those conferences, how how they hit in the draft. And it's just a weird conundrum that you have with Jamison Williams. He had that one really, really, really good year last year where he garnered over um, 32% of the receiving yards market share there. And he had that breakout. But again, like he's got an age 20 breakout. And I think that that's, that's pretty comparable to a lot of the other wide receivers in this class as well. Like there's nobody in this class except for George Pickens and David Bell that have a really, really young breakout age. And those are two very questionable guys. So when we're looking at breakout age this year, there's kind of an asterisk next to it, right? So I don't really pin that against Jamison Williams too much with the breakout age. It's just kind of the one season of elite production that kind of screams to me like, if you're going to buy into him, buy into that upside and stick with it, right? I think that there's a there's a really strong chance that he's going to be a value on the back end of your um your first round of your rookie drafts this year, depending on where he goes. If he gets that first round draft capital, that's going to signal even better for him. You're going to probably move him up your rankings and everything. Well, I mean me, because I don't have him as high as like wide receiver two right now, but I would say that there's a lot of upside there and the floor is also really, really low too. You know, is it telling that he isn't beating out guys like Benjamin Victor and KJ Hill in a wide receiver room that's super stacked. If he goes to a team, say the chargers, because that's a, that's a pretty popular pick for a guy like that. People tend to to think that, you know, that teams need this take the top off of a, the defense style of wide receiver. And they, you know, they can they can afford to go out and shoot their shot with guys like that. But the reality is, is if they're pigeonholed into that one role in a team, that's all they see them for. And they have wide receivers like a Keenan Allen or a Mike Williams. There's there could be a really big chance that we're talking about Jamison Williams coming in as just a wide receiver three. And that's kind of 
where I don't know. I don't know if he's a wide receiver one that might have to play a wide receiver two for a year or so, or I don't know if he's, you know, a wide receiver three that just is a wide receiver three yet. And that's kind of where I'm at with Jamison Williams. He's not going to rank very highly for me. I think I currently have him in my tier four, but it's not, it's a soft tier four down there. It's not, I'm not, you know, banging the table saying Jamison Williams is a bust. I just don't know. And that kind of leads me to kind of be risk averse with him. Yeah, so I guess let me ask you guys too. Uh, there's been a lot, especially uh, the last week or two. Uh, like, and Seth Kaiser, he writes for the Athletic, does a lot of stuff uh, about the Chiefs, and everything else. But there's been a lot of talk that the Chiefs are looking to move up now into the draft. Obviously, they made the move for Tyreek. They traded Tyreek Hill away. They're, they've been connected to pretty much every wide receiver that could possibly be available, and you know, as well as the draft. Um, but there's been a lot of talk that they could act that they're looking to possibly move up to like ten, and and. Um, or in that range to, to jump some teams like the Chargers, uh, the Eagles, the Saints, that, that they're all going to need a wide receiver. And that's their target is Jamison Williams. Um, so there's this belief that he's not going to make it past probably 15, 16, or 17. If he goes that high ahead of some of his other wide receivers, are you guys going to take that into account? Or is it more for you, uh, the team that he's on, and uh, where you would view him in terms of how, where you'd want him in like rookie drafts and stuff like that? I'll let Cody take this one first. Yeah, it would be it would be team dependent for me. Obviously, uh, a team like the Chiefs, if he gets that landing spot, everyone's going to lose their minds, and you know, especially if they trade up in order to be able to take him. And then I think probably at that point he could be in in the risk of being overdrafted. Maybe you know, what I mean, obviously they have that that hole to fill with Tyreek leaving. Um, but I, I'm. I'm with Jesse where I'm a little trepidatious just because of the one he only has that one year, but then on the other side, you know, you guys were already talking about it. He, he leaves Ohio state where he couldn't get on the field and goes to Bama and dominates there. So it's, it's a really weird situation with him, but yeah, uh, I, I think most before that injury happened, we're pegging him in the first round. So if he goes in the first, like, I don't think we should be double counting that. I think it's going to depend on the team that he lands with instead of necessarily the first round draft capital in and of itself. Right. And I think, I mean, using the chiefs as a prime example, if the, if a team trades up, especially in like, say the top 10, 12 picks for a wide receiver, that's very telling that they value that guy at a premium position, which would be very telling of how we can project Jamison Williams into the future. Draft cap is one of the single most important aspects of any analytical profile. It just has the highest correlation to success for the most part. But with that being said, you're also going to a team that has Travis Kelsey, who has Juju Smith-Schuster now, and those guys are not slouches. I, I, I mean, I know Juju only played in five games last year, but looking at those game logs, we're talking eight targets, seven targets, eight targets again. Like he's going to require a pretty decent, you know, pretty sizable target share there. I don't think, I don't necessarily think that he's going to get to you know wide receiver one status again, but I do think that there is a market for him to be able to come in and have an immediate target share, a sizable one at that too. So again, another situation that we're looking at Jamison Williams coming in. And if they only view him as kind of just that speed threat, like you can't, the chiefs aren't going to draft him as an immediate Tyreek Hill kind of replacement, right? You can't, you just can't replace that type of production. You can't replace that player either. Tyreek Hill is very, very special. But with that being said, he is going to be linked to Patrick Mahomes. And that's going to be kind of another tough conundrum as well. Again, I, I wouldn't necessarily change where, I, where I'd have him at that point going. He'd probably be a little bit higher with a higher ceiling as well, right? Like if he comes in, um, and especially in the, in, in the long term too. I mean, Travis Kelsey is, I can't remember his age right now, but I know he's on the, the other side of 30. 
Um, I can't imagine he's going to be playing for so many more years that it's going to affect Jamison Williams stock, but yeah, so it, it is, you do want to kind of wait the, the, the team, but again, there's also the underlying fact that if some, if a team trades up for him very highly, there's, that's kind of a signal that like they value him at a premium position and they're going to make that player a focal point of the offense, which would be um, a good, a good box to check off for Jamison Williams for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's possible, too, that somebody like the Chiefs that don't necessarily need him to come in and produce right away, considering he's coming off the ACL, that they slow play him. Maybe he takes some time. He doesn't really get ramped up until the second half. So, um, you know, and, it, you know, Juju, he's he's only on a one-year deal uh, so for, for them. So, I mean, he could be gone after this year. Um, anyways, um, I'm not going to get any more than that. So let's let's I is is so let, let's move on to Garrett Wilson, who's much more online. I think for most people, it's kind of the consensus. Some people have him as one. Some people have him as two. Uh, I think at least you're probably looking at three between him and Drake London. Um, you know, I'm seeing a lot of mocks where Garrett Wilson is going to the Falcons. Uh, sounds like he could be a you know a top ten, top twelve guy. Um, but with, you know, with him again, you know, another you know kind of guy who had a late breakout age. Uh, never really dominated at, at Ohio State. I mean, had was productive, but was not this guy who just went out and had these monster seasons. Uh, you know, he was there with Chris Olave, you know, as well. But, you know, even his, you know, a lot of the analytical stuff, like, didn't really do a whole lot for me. He was good in the yards per out run, 3.0 yards per out run, 18th in the class. But other than that, 5.8 uh, yards after the catch per reception, which is 192nd um, for Garrett Wilson. Um, obviously he came out and did really well in the, did pretty well in the combine. I mean, still only a 64th percentile uh, speed score and a 58th percentile burst score. But for a lot of people, you know, talk about him. He's a, he's just an absolute technician, um, great route runner. And so I think that's why a lot of people, you know, uh, lean towards him. But what, what is your guys' takeaway with him? Uh, I like him. I like him a fair amount. He's going to be my wide receiver too in this class. And I say, I've been giving him a lot of flack recently because of kind of when, when I'm looking at, this entire the entirety of this class and especially with Chris Olave and him you see you know in their first year together you see that Chris Olave was obviously the the, the more dominant wide receiver and he had another year on uh, in that Ohio State offense over him and then when you see that second year kind of pop up Chris Olave's right there in the fold with him so I have this kind of take with Garrett Wilson that he is who we think he is, which is a dominant wide receiver. And Chris Olave is like right there with him as well, like just as dominant and just went back to school another year and didn't didn't pan out. Right. Or Garrett Wilson is more along the lines of what a lot of people think Chris Olave is, which is a mid-level wide receiver. I'm 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 kind of leaning after looking at you know his 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 efficiency metrics in yards per route run he averaged 2.97 throughout the duration of his career that ranks uh I believe second in this class just only to Justin Ross in terms of average yards per route run throughout the duration of their careers um and had that huge huge spike year uh in his I believe it was his sophomore season where he had 3.86 yards per route run and then when you look at when you look at market share of um of receptions and yards spike there as well. Nothing, nothing super, super crazy. I believe he was like high twenties in that. If I'm my database would scroll over. Um, but he's, he's going to be a wide receiver that is, he, he does enough to be that second wide receiver for me. And that's, I, I don't want to say that as a testament to, I necessarily think he's that good. It's just, I think this class is that weak that a guy like Garrett Wilson is going to stand out. And consensus says that he's going to be either, you know, if not, the first wide receiver off the board, at least the second or third, right? And that's going to be mid to early second, or excuse me, 
um, early to mid first round, that draft capital is going to spike him even more. A team's going to invest in him as a wide receiver one. And I think that that's going to, that that's very telling. I try not to bake that in. I try and look at the profile just as is because we don't know what's going to happen. I don't want to bake that into, you know, my overall analysis or anything, but it's kind of hard knowing that this guy is going to get drafted early and a team is going to invest in him. And with that being said, um, he did do enough. And he, like you, like you mentioned, uh, Kev, he is a guy that kind of did break out late. I think I, we have a, an age 20 breakout on him. One of those older wide receivers didn't start, didn't come in and play until his, uh, until age 19. So that second year, sophomore year coming in and breaking out at age 20 doesn't necessarily look as bad, especially if you look at it from a years out of high school perspective, which is uh, pretty correlate, pretty highly correlated to fantasy su- success as well. Um, but yeah, he's he's kind of the best of the rest, in my opinion, would be Garrett Wilson, where, where I have him. Yeah, for me, obviously, the you guys are more into the the analytical side of it than than I am. But field, you know, film wise, no questions about him. You know, what I mean, like, like maybe he's not going to have the highest ceiling, but the like outside of you know some questions with some of the other receivers, like Jesse was alluding to, he's super safe. I have no questions with him. Athletic, shifty, very nuanced as a route runner. I really like the fact that Ohio State used him everywhere, inside, outside, all three levels of the field, sweeps and everything like that. So you don't really – you don't have any of those questions with him where there are questions about almost all these other receivers. So I, I uh, he, he's been pretty firmly planted in that in that top tier with Burks for me since the outset of, uh, of digging into this class. Yeah. So – all right, let, let, let's let's keep moving. We get into some of these other uh, guys. Let's talk about Drake London. Um, you know the Mike Evans, uh, you know direct comp that uh, pretty much everybody uses for him uh, since you know since he declared out of USC. Obviously, you know it's been well documented the absolutely insane year he just came off of uh, in only eight games with eighty eight receptions for a thousand yards and almost eleven hundred yards actually in seven receiving touchdowns, a 34.9% college dominator and a 27.3% target share in that USC offense. And I I think, you know, but I've noticed lately there seems to be some people that are pushing back on him saying that, you know, he's not a very good separator and, um, you know, he's going to be much more of a contested catch guy and, you know, stuff like that, which we've heard about other wide receivers in the past. Um, do you guys have that concern with Drake London or do you guys think that's just being overblown and we're to the point where we're just going to nitpick people to nitpick people? Yeah, for me, I don't pay attention to any of that, man. So the way that I look at it, when people say, you know, he can't separate or he's not fast or, you know, even when we look at Traylon Burks, like, I can't believe he ran a four, five, five, you know, that stuff didn't stop him from being elite, at least for one year in college. Did it like the fact that he can't separate? he seemed to do fine without having to separate in college, you know, last year, right? Like in those eight games, he seemed to like, if the guy can't separate, he's finding other ways to win. And I, I'm a firm believer that the sharpest of teams, especially ones that draft wide receivers very, very early are not going to draft a wide receiver. Be like, Oh, he can't separate. We need to teach him how to separate. No, we're going to elevate what he can do well, which is be a big body wide receiver, go up, catch the ball, and just absolutely dominate people. And that's what the, a team that's drafting Drake London, that's what they're going to draft him to do. They're not going to draft him to be Garrett Wilson or Traylon Burks or anything else. They're not going to draft him to be a Jamar Chase or a Jalen Waddle. They're just not going to do that. With that being said, it's kind of one of those Jameson Williams style um, you know, profiles where it's that one super, super dominant year. 
in my database, I do have him at an age 19 breakout. And it looks like a lot of that was kind of touchdown dependent. Um, I think he had a, a pretty decent market share of that. Um, that uh, touchdown overall market share that in his age 19 season. But th- this year in his eight games, I mean, it's just absolute domination. When you look at everything that he did, uh, 31%, um, a 31.8% dominator rating last year. Um, his dominator over average as well. Another Peter Howard big brain stat that I love to look at comparative to other classes and stuff. It's not horrible. It is a minus 2.36, but comparative to the other, you know, the others in this class, there's only a couple guys that have, you know, a, a, an actual positive dominator over average. So I don't try, I, I try not to, 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for. I try not to ding him too much on that. Right. It's just the one year. And if a team is buying into that one year, I think uh, that they're going to put him in a position where he can try and be successful. And with that being said, I, he's just the kind of guy that's floating around. He's a tier two guy for me, but you know, between him and like George Pickens, I could definitely see somebody else, you know, George Pickens moving up to tier two and Drake London moving down to tier three. He's just kind of one of those guys. I don't know if I want to buy into yet, but his metrics in last year, especially in just eight games were phenomenal. Yeah. I don't think the, the separation thing matters until it matters, right? Like if he ends up on a team with like a quarterback who is a see it, throw it kind of guy or someone who's not willing to throw into tight windows, then sure. It's going to matter. But if he goes, you know, back end of round one to like Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, then it's not going to matter. You know what I mean? I, I think yeah. it's going to be kind of situation dependent with him. It, it is kind of wild to see that he was a slot receiver his first two years at USC. Like the 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 overwhelming majority of his snaps came from the slot those first two years. And then it's last year too. Um, he He was 15 deep catches that ranked 10th this last year and he had four he was 14th in screen catches as well so just kind of like this he's he was either catching it at the line of scrimmage or he's catching it you know i mean 20 yards downfield uh love what he can do with the ball in his hands i i don't know how much speed he actually has but the thing i like is he's that he's able to get to that speed quick you know i mean he doesn't need a, a ton of room to build up that speed once he has the ball in his hand he's able to maneuver and go through and he's not his i think he he rated pretty highly with uh missed tackles forced and it's not just him running over dudes either like you see him you know you see some agility out there him making guys miss and you know having guys kind of fall around him as well so I, i'm a fan but it, it is it is going to come down to again i think the the theme with this class is how high do they go and where do they land yeah, I would, I, would, I would agree with a lot of that with, with him. Uh, I think uh, landing spot and really quarterback dependent is going to be huge for him. Um, so let, let's let, let's talk about somebody that you are, you just kind of just glossed over there, and that is George Pickens. And he, I have been high on him this entire process, and I continue to be high on George Pickens. I absolutely love him. Um, I love the swagger that he plays with i think on uh not that you can measure that but uh i just think you when you see these wide receivers that uh that have that kind of alpha um my ball you know um attitude i think i think you uh see some of that like in like a jamar chase right and i love seeing that in george pickens that um you know 
I he got I guess he got what suspended in 2019, but you know he is another guy that had a really early breakout, broke out at 18.5, but then you know obviously got hurt. Um, the second year wasn't fantastic, but it also should be mentioned that Georgia's quarterbacks over the last three years uh, have been fucking awful, and so it, some of that's not his fault. Um, but George Pickens, like, especially after his freshman year, like people were talking about him that like he was going to be a can't miss. He's going to be the best wide receiver of the class when he comes out. Obviously, unfortunately, towards ACL, some was the offense this year. I mean, it was kind of a wasted year. He basically didn't come back until the very end of the season. Um, and, and but which is smart. But then he comes out, and I think he runs better and tested better than people thought he was going to uh, at his size, 6'3, 195. And so Overall, I love George Pickens. I think there is a boom or bust aspect to him that 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 does need to be mentioned because we saw the excellent alpha, you know, kind of wide receiver that he can be his freshman year, but we haven't seen it the last couple of years because of injury, because of the offense, whatever. So I definitely think there's this range here with him that he could very well be a bust, but at the same time, I think his ceiling is absolutely as high as probably anybody in this class. Yeah, I completely agree there. And that's, you know, he's he's going to be just one of those screaming values because I, I haven't seen anything about teams that really, really value him that's going to that, that leads me to believe that he's going to like, you know, squeak his way into the the back end of the top the the first round right now. I'm, I'm fully anticipating a team to hopefully bite on that upside on day two, early day two, you know, round two. If it's really, really good uh, scenario for George Pickens. And with that, like with the boomer bust is it's really just comes down to injury and not him being able to repeat what he did his freshman year, you know, for the duration of his time at Georgia. Now, when you look at his freshman year, just absolute domination, and it's not going to show up from a, um, from a raw statistics standpoint. You know, when you look at just the raw statistics and everything, you look at, you know, 727 yards, eight touchdowns, you know, um, 49 receptions in, in, in 12 games. But when you look at, that age 18 season, which is the prime position that we want to see wide receivers statistically break out. They have the highest hit range, um, excuse me, um, hit rate percentage for fantasy relevant wide receivers coming out of college is that age 18 season. He hit a 23.2 um, receiving yards market share at that age. And I believe his dominator rating was pretty high that year. Um, again, my database kind of slowing down on me right now, but then age 19 too, even in those, those eight games still ended up having over a 20% market share of the receiving yards and receptions there as well. A quick note uh, in that age 18 season, he held 23.2% of the receiving yards market share on only 11% of the receptions. That's maddening right now that like that. I was looking at his yards per route run for that season. And it's the highest of any wide receiver in this class. Um, It is, I believe for that season, it was a four, excuse me. It was, um, Sorry, I'm trying to find it. It was a oh no, it was not the highest of any wide receiver in this class. Excuse me, it was a 2.27, which is actually still really, really good. It means he was he was fairly efficient on the the the, the targets and the volume that he was getting. And I think seeing that spike at such a young age is going to hold people to like uh, kind of look at George Pickens as like this is what he can do. This is what he can do, and there is that ceiling. But there's also the factor of he can get injured again. Maybe a team doesn't take him until the third or fourth round, and that's going to plummet his draft stock, and that's going to plummet his fantasy expectations as well. But I do like him. He's a guy that's going to be sitting inside of, uh, like I said, that tier three. He's kind of at the top of my tier three right now. My tier three is a bunch of guys that like kind of flashed in the analytics department, but 
that I'm not sure where they're going to go, what their team situation is going to look like, but they have really good metrics, you know? Yeah, Pickens just feels like the the guy that we can kind of talk about is like he's going to be like the year three breakout guy. Yeah. Right? Like I, I don't see it happening for him like right away. I think he's, you know, going back, you know, five, ten years into into fantasy football when that was seemed like that actually used to be a thing where we had the third year breakout at, at wide receiver. I, I think he's that going to be that guy. And, you know, if you miss out on him in your rookie drafts, you can potentially get him cheaper the following year, you know, as long as he doesn't start to, you know, to to ball out toward the the end of his rookie campaign or anything like that but i i'm i'm a big fan of pickens he's just going to be one of those guys where you you hope that he puts it all together because his flashes at georgia are really fun like some like some of the most fun film to to watch but you know that like like you were saying jesse just just there's there's a couple of things there where you're looking at and you're kind of tossing those back you know kind of tossing those around the air but two two guys who have really been rising that uh kev i know you're really high on on this one name and then the other name uh jesse i'm really uh really interested to hear your thoughts on him but sky Moore and christian watson both those guys are are really starting to climb you know christian watson going back to the senior bowl sky Moore. once people started digging in to tape with him you have some of the bigger names in the draft space talking about him then obviously he had a really good combine as well so Curious to get your your thoughts on both of those guys, and you can start off with uh, with whoever you'd like. And I yeah, know I'm, Kev will, I'm, I know Kev will jump in too. Yeah, I'm going to start off with Sky Moore because I actually do have him in my database. Christian Watson is a name that I've been hearing like floating around a lot as a potential guy that could like you know end up squeaking into the back end of that first round as well. I know a lot of people are high on him, um, especially after the combine pro days and everything. I believe as well, um, but he's not somebody that I do have in my in my database right now. So in terms of like an analytics profile, I don't have that one built out for uh, for you guys right now. But with Sky Moore. I mean, we're talking about a 41.2% college dominator. This guy, he spiked in in um, in best yards per route run by a season. His last was uh, about 3.46. That's an elite level grade. We're talking that's that's right on par with Traylon Burks last year, right? So Traylon Burks had a 3.57. That's right under him um, and Drake London as well. So. I, I mean, when we when we look at what he can do and having that the the season that he did last year. Um, his also also quick note to his dominator over average is about 5%, which is the highest in this class. Um, he just feels like a wide receiver. That's absolutely dominant. That might get looked over in the draft, maybe early day two. I know he had a really, really good combine. And a lot of people were speculating that he was going to shoot up the draft boards. He's just one of those guys. I'm not sure about yet. I think if a team values his skill set and what he does, you know, he could definitely probably work his way into um, being, you know, the wide receiver one, he's capable of being a wide receiver one. It shows all over his, his analytical profile. And I really, really like the way he's profiling. Now for me, he's kind of in that tier three as well. I mentioned my tier three is a lot of guys who have the analytical profile, but I'm just still uncertain of about what's going to happen with them coming into the draft. But like, if we're just going pure off of pure, you know, profile, analytical profile and, and how I view them, Sky Moore would be probably up there with, you know, Traylon Burks. He would definitely be up there if we're looking at just the numbers. Um, and for me, he did it at a young age, too. I believe I have him at um, at. Oh, excuse me. Not a young age, but I, his um, breakout age for 20 percent and 30 percent was an uh, age 20. Um, but you just see really, really good production from him. He's a guy that I'm intrigued by. I hope that he lands in a good situation where he can come in and I mean, maybe at worst, he's a wide receiver too, who has a shot to be a fringe one guy. 
I absolutely love Sky Moore, but I um I have him as my wide receiver five in this class. Um, I actually have him ahead of George Pickens. Uh, they're very close for me, but for both those guys, I, I, I think so. From what I've been, you know, uh, gathering from the the big NFL draft, talking guys, you know, the Marcus Mosiers, the Daniel Jeremiah's, that the NFL is absolutely in love with Sky Moore, and that there's zero chance that he goes outside of the top forty. Um, He's definitely going to be a top 40 pick. And, and so there's been a lot of team, uh, a lot of people have been mocking, like especially at the back end of the first, uh, you've been seeing a lot of what well, another guy will talk about, John Dotson, but um, either him or Sky Moore going late first or early second for, for them. And so, yeah, I, I just think that he profiles. I think you can play him anywhere. I think you can play on the outside. He can definitely play in the slot. Uh, 49% of his targets came from the slot. Uh, 46 receptions, 511 yards, three touchdowns from the slot. Um, last year for him and so yes he plays at western michigan but i really could care less uh, about that the small school stuff uh, we're seeing more and more of these guys i think it's going to continue to happen more and more with the transfer for the transfer portal stuff and the way these guys could transfer every single year and just just kind of jump from team to team and if they can go to a team they're going to let them start right away and they're not going to have to try to work their way through a depth chart i think you're going to see more and more of it so i'm not really all that concerned with that with sky Moore. And so just everything that he brings to the table, he's still on the young side. He just turned 21 years old. So it's not like he's, uh, you know, a guy that's, that's, that's older. Um, I, I just think everything he brings to the table, uh, I think he's going to be kind of, to me, he's, he feels pretty much can't miss. Um, I think that he, at worst, in fantasy circles, I think he's a wide receiver too. Um, I, I think he does, uh, in the right situation, right offense, I think he could definitely be a wide receiver one. Uh, and we could be a guy we could be talking about as one of the best wide receivers from this class. When it's all said and done, um christian watson kind of the same thing uh it's kind of hard to knock him in terms of production because he played in an offense that was absolutely run first and and so i mean he didn't get a ton of opportunities in that way but in terms of just the you know he was uh first in yards per route run uh, with 4.33 this last year um wasn't great in yards after the catch but obviously you know for a guy that's six foot four 208 to run a four three six forty this is 96 percentiles and 98 percentile speed score um and a 95th percentile burst score you know there's a- wilson you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar how did you do it i got a huge assist from grammarly an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. A ton to like with Christian Watson. And I think, again, if he can land in the right spot, um, I think actually Debra, I saw a little, a little bit ago, he comped him to Mar- Martavis Bryant, which is easy to look back at Martavis Bryant, like just on the surface level. And be like, oh my God, that's a, uh, if he's going to that, that's terrible. But like early Martavis Bryant, like did some really special things. He just couldn't stay on the field. Well, it was more of the problem with that. But I do think Christian Watson is a very interesting prospect, a little bit older, almost 23 years old. But uh, with every, with all that being said, I mean, he's still at a 90th percentile college dominator, 44% college dominator. So I think he's an interesting prospect um, and somebody that, you know, has done himself a, a big favor with through the senior bowl and through the combine who just absolutely slayed the combine. So um, let's talk about Jahan Dotson. Cause I think he's the other guy that actually has a shot of going in the first round that we've been talking about. Obviously Cody, the big Penn Stater, uh, you know, here. Um, but, you know, for, for him, obviously he's a little bit on the, the thinner side in terms of his size, but um, still, still did okay with it. Still had a, had a pretty decent um, combine. Uh, you know, again, another guy who had a 20, uh, 20 year or 20.5 breakout age. Not, not, not great. Not terrible either. 32 and a half percent target share, you know, in that offense at Penn state, but um, he's somebody else that I think a lot of people are kind of looking at as, as a back end first. Where do you guys line up with him? Yeah, I like him. He's got one of those profiles that when you look at late uh, wide receiver breakouts, he's one of those guys that, you know, he has in age 20, he had nearly 40% of the receiving yards market share at age 20, which is his breakout season. And then you don't really see too much of a fall off at age 21 hovers around over that 30% mark, which is great. The last thing you want to do is see a wide receiver do what Chris Olave did, which is come off of a strong season, go into their, you know, their fourth season and then kind of fall off a little bit. So with Jahan Dotson, I'm not really concerned there. I think he's got a good analytical profile. Again, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ding him too hard on the age 20 breakout. A lot of these guys in this class have an age 20 breakout. And even though that's a good indicator for, you know, fantasy success, there's not a lot of guys in this class that have age 18 and 19. There's very select few. And and then if you move those, you know, the, the thresholds up to 30%, there's only one guy that has an age 19 breakout in this class and uh, everybody else has an age 20. So when you look at him um, and, and and his, the entirety of his, his profile, it, he comes out fine. Average yards per route run throughout his career was over two, which is great. That's a good, that's a good, th- that's a good wide receiver threshold right there is over two for a college wide receiver. I like that a lot. Um, his best was coming in at uh, 2.63, which I believe was that, that age 20 breakout season. Last year was a 2.56. So again, when you do see, you know, those dips for wide receivers to go back for a fourth year, if they're very strong and you see a wide receiver that had a 30% market share and then come down to say 20, you know, or, or, you know, under 20, you know, pretty, pretty big red flag there. Um, Jahan Dotson, not a guy that had that 41% college dominator as well. Everything from a metric standpoint kind of kind of pans out. It's just going to be about where he goes. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, I do believe he ran a pretty fast 40 as well, right? Was it was it pretty fast for him? 4-4-3. Okay. I don't know what the expectation was there or um, if that's going to shoot him up. I, I, I think I remember kind of you know people touting him a little bit harder after after he after the combine right I, I, well i think per, per, with, with his size i think he's what 511 178 i think people were expecting a little bit faster faster than that. okay yeah okay but okay. um 
I, I still don't think it's terrible. I mean, it's no, no, for three. three. Yeah, no, that's not horrible at all. I think yeah. he probably upheld the standards of where he should be. You know, a lot of people probably wanted him to run a little bit faster. Um, but yeah, from an analytics standpoint, he he had a pretty good, um, you know, back end of his career at Penn State. It looks like, you know, he looks very solid. Another guy that I'm probably going to end up putting in like that tier four. You know, I, I'm not sure where to where, where I kind of you know want to put him. But um, for for what he did in the back end of his career at Penn State, yeah, very, very solid. He showed that he can be at the very least like that, you know, a strong wide receiver two candidate, maybe maybe career long fringe wide receiver two, three guy. Yeah. Okay, so let, let's talk about two guys. That one that we probably should talk about earlier, but this, but this, the way we do this, uh, it, it's happened every single time, um, and it's something that I know that you like, and there's some, there's other people that that do like this guy a lot, and there's, there's, I mean, I, I know like Matt Waldman has him as his wide receiver one in the class, and um, that is what it is. I think it's ridiculous, but whatever. I have not been high on Chris Olave this entire process. Like, I don't hate Chris Olave, like, you know, at all. Um, I just – there's nothing to me that, like, has gets me excited with him. I've watched some of his tape. I'm not a big tape guy. I'll be the first to admit that. But when I did, I was like, oh, okay, whatever, cool. You look at his numbers, nothing pops out to me. Nothing stood out to me whatsoever. A 2.29 yards per run, not terrible. 83rd, um, you know, among all wide receivers this past year terrible at yards after the catch for especially for a guy with it with his type of speed um terrible burst score in this class um 4.3940 obviously that's good but that's just you know telling us a straight line speed but came back for that that year i don't know why he did whenever he should have came out but it's just i'm just not that excited about him like it's just like ah whatever i know he's gonna be a first round pick you know And, and so i you know that's that but like there's so many wide receivers that I just like more than him. And it's, I don't know. Like I know, you know, there's other people that, that love him, but I just can't do it. Yeah. So he's a guy that I'm like, I kind of mentioned with Garrett Wilson, right. Um, You know, they, they kind of, obviously Garrett Wilson came in a year later, but when, when we did see both of them kind of at the height and competing with each other, Chris Olave was kind of standing out there, right. When you look at his age 20 season, you know, 34%, of the receiving yards market share in age at age 19 had 22.8% of the receiving yards market share there. And um, in his best season at that age 20 season for Chris Olave had a 3.54 yards per route run, incredibly efficient there. Those are like elite level numbers. Thinking about it intuitively though, when we stack up, let's just look at, you know, in a vacuum, him and Garrett Wilson. Now Garrett Wilson had the stronger year last year in terms of, Minimally, though, especially if you look at the raw, um, the 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 raw data between both of them last year, it's not like um, it's it, it's not like Garrett Wilson came out and and just had an absolute insane uh, number of targets or receptions and yardage over him. I mean, we're looking at a little over probably a game's worth, about a hundred and you know, give or take 120, maybe quick math yards uh, on Chris Olave on the season and only five more receptions in the same amount of games. It's not like Garrett Wilson absolutely, you know, bodied Chris Olave from, you know, a kind of back and forth standpoint last year where things get interesting is you, you, um, you insert Jackson Smith and Jigba. Okay. Now that's the dominant wide receiver. And that's the X factor. When we look at the profile for these two guys, at least for me coming out this year. Now, Thinking about it intuitively, like I said, there's kind of a window where um, 
when when we look at Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, we look at either Garrett Wilson is that guy and he is very, very good. And you you just to me and in, in my eyes, you don't really have a choice then. At that point, you have to put Chris Olave at the very least right behind him. That's my thinking. That's the way that I look at it. Because when we look back and we look at the duration of their college careers and when they're competing with each other at the height, Chris Olave um in his age 20 season in the 2021 season, um, excuse me, uh 20, 2020 season better than him. He was better than Garrett Wilson. So I don't know how we justify saying that Garrett Wilson is this great wide receiver, but Chris Olave is absolutely not. Now, with that being said, it is a red flag that Chris Olave comes in and he gets slightly beat out by Garrett Wilson, absolutely bodied by JSN. And then we're looking at Chris Olave having a fourth year there where he looks it kind of the red flag is if Chris Olave goes to a place again, I'm going to use the Chargers as as a destination because they have two really good wide receivers there. And Chris Olave is somebody who has been mocked them fairly often. Chris Olave goes there. It, you know, historically, especially when we look at, you know, last year, there's a strong chance that he's at best a wide receiver too. Now, if he goes somewhere else and he's able to compete for a wide receiver, one role, he's already shown that he possibly, you know, that he can beat out a guy like Garrett Wilson. So that's kind of the conundrum with me. And I'm choosing to believe that Garrett Wilson is a good player. So I'm I'm kind of forced by the way that my brain works to believe that Chris Olave is that good of a player as well. That's kind of where I stand on them. I think Chris Olave is a good prospect. I think that there's a lot to be desired with um, his yards after the catch. He looks more like a possession receiver, but he's very fluid in his routes. He's a, he's a guy that can run really, really well. And he ran faster than a lot of people expected as well at the combine. So I think a lot of people are going to, you know, work him up into like that middle of the first round, which a team that drafts him with first round draft capital is going to incorporate him into their offense. It's just a matter again of if he does go to a team like the chargers, where there's already two wide receivers there that are very, very good. He has been beat out before, but he's also shown on the other side of that, that he can compete for valuable market share of targets, receptions, and yards on, on a very good offense. Yeah. And I, I think that's what I'm like trying to do is just like, keep this open mind. Like, like, you know, don't let my hate seep in and just completely bury the guy because that, that's, 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 that's what I feel like with this. So like, I just keep trying to just like, you know, I'm just going to try to keep it on open mind with him. You know, we'll see where he lands. You know, let's see how this works out with him just because, but like, there's this part of the back of my head. that's like, I fucking hate Chris Olave, but it is what it is at this point. And the other guy that's like that for me now, this is a completely different conversation because this guy, I don't think has any shot of, I don't even think he, he may not even be a day two pick. And that's David Bell from Purdue, which on the other hand, he definitely dominated. He definitely produced and but I mean, we're starting to hear more and more and more about him that NFL teams are just not in love with him, and this could be a day three guy. Um, now, does that mean that he's dead? No, we've seen other wide receivers that you know that are athletic. Again, I, I don't think we should be killing him necessarily for that. Yes, he ran a terrible forty. His speed score is uh, atrocious. His burst score is terrible. Like he's just not an athletic guy. But I think he could still be possibly a productive big slot at the at the next level and it's hard to deny how he how i mean he produced i mean at, at age 18 breakout a 28 percent target share at purdue you know even last year 1200 receiving yards six touchdowns his yards per out run w- w- was really solid yards after the catch was 15th among all wide receivers in this class so i mean there, there are a lot of things to like about his game as well um 10 deep catches for 382 yards that's that was 39th in this class and so 
or among all wide receivers last year. So there's a lot to like, but at the same time with him, if the NFL hates him, I mean, that, that's pretty much what we need to know because if the NFL doesn't value him, there's no reason we should value him at that point, right? If they, that's what happens, if he goes as a fifth, sixth round pick, I mean, you might as well mark him as dead. Sure, it's possible that 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 you know he he can carve out a role, but uh, you definitely have to lower expectations of where you would have him. One hundred percent, and it's unfortunate because this for me, David Bell would be my wide receiver one in this class. He would be my absolute. We're talking age eighteen breakout. We're talking age nineteen at thirty percent breakout. We're talking multiple years of twenty seven percent and above receiving yards market share. We're talking about yards per hour. Any analytical, you know, any any metric that you have for this fucking guy, it's he hits it and he is the guy. But it's Tyler Johnson all over again. It's Tyler Johnson all over again. Tyler Johnson, and it's, it's I know, Cody. Listen, I know, man, I know, because Tyler Johnson was my undoubtable wide receiver one through and through. Just yes, and it and it hurts me to say it too. I still have David Bell. I still have him in my tier three wide receivers because I don't know what I don't know yet. Okay. I don't know that a team is completely out on him, but from everything that we've heard, especially not performing at the combine, that's when the rumblings kind of started, right? That's when you're like, you're looking at this guy with an absolute bulletproof profile. And that's when the blood started to come out. That's when you saw that there, there, there was a little bit of um, a little bit of concern to have for him. Now, like you mentioned, Kev, there it doesn't mean he's dead in the water if he goes in that fifth, sixth, you know, seventh round. I pray that that's not the the case for him, but um, circumstances for him would have to really, really be favorable. We're talking maybe a couple injuries. We're talking maybe a really, really depleted wide receiver room. Giants, for example, um, outside of Kadarius Tony, who I absolutely love, but like he has shown that it does not matter. Where you go, what, where you play, who's your quarterback, whatever it is, he was doing. It does not matter where he is the guy, and he is the strongest candidate for a guy that I would be willing to hang my hat on. But it is going to be a concern when he gets drafted after the third round, maybe in that fourth, fifth, sixth, wherever it is, anywhere after the third round. If he goes, it's going to be a big concern. With that being said, though, he is a guy that I am undoubtedly 100% in this class especially if I even sniff that it's a favorable situation. I'm grabbing him at the back end, probably like 212, 301, and I'm not even going to blink. I'm going to do it. It's not even going to be a thought in my mind. It could be seventh round draft draft capital, and I'm going to take him because I know that he's capable of doing it. And it's kind of like an Amon Ross St. Brown situation, right? Amon Ross St. Brown was good in college, but he didn't get drafted to what? The fourth round, right? I believe. A lot of people kind of wrote him off. You were able to get him fairly late, or excuse me, maybe, I don't know, consensus ADP from last year. I want to say, if I remember correctly, it was like late second, early third or something like that. And and sure enough, I I was talking about this on another podcast last night, it's sure enough that Amon Ross St. Brown, while he had the profile, it took some opportunity in the right situation for him. Hawkinson had to go down. Josh Reynolds had to go down. Um Khalif Raymond was kind of spotty last year. That offense was conducive for a player of Amara St. St. Brown's um, stature and profile. For him, if he had that opportunity, he was going to shine. And now the genie is out of the bottle. You can't put Pandora back in the box. And the Detroit Lions are thinking that they struck absolute gold on Amara St. Brown in the fourth round. And they're going to ride that till the wheels fall off. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see what he does. 
Could we get a situation like that with David Bell? Because he's already proven that he can do it. Analytically, he's got the profile. He can do it. He is a, an incredible player. But if he does get drafted in the later rounds <clears throat> of the NFL draft, we're going to have to do some soul searching on him. I'm going to buy the upside at the at the end of the second, early third. I'm going to I'm going to continue to hammer that home every single time. But again, more hesitation um, than than should be. And again, it's Tyler Johnson all over again, man. He just had it, and then the team's what. The NFL doesn't like him. And like you said, Kev, we do have to listen to the NFL. What they what they say kind of goes with us, especially when it comes to how they allocate these draft assets and how they view these players. Cause at the end of the day, it's these age-old dinosaurs with, you know, garbage offensive schemes that are like, oh, I don't think that guy can play. So we're just not gonna play him. We know damn well this fun guy can play. Okay. So I'm excited to see it. I hope that he does go. Um, and the third is a win. The second is an absolute scam. Like we're just hammered. I might even hammer him with the one one at that point. Okay. <laughs> I might do it. I might fucking do it guys. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, David Bell is a guy, a situation that gets me kind of riled up because time and time again, especially with Tyler Johnson, I'm going to keep going back to that name because I was so bullish on him. I was so bullish on him being the guy you cannot, there's no way you have that amount of production and teams just look at you and be like, you know what? I just, I don't see it with that guy. What's there not to see, man. Like, what is there not to see? Like, and it's the same thing with David Bell. Hopefully, um, fortune favors the bold team that is willing to grab him at whatever place that they do. And I will be monitoring that situation very, very highly. Yeah, I want to obviously see, see how this shakes out you know, uh, with the draft. But, you know, once you have guys like, you know, the Marcus Bozier, Daniel Jeremiah, the guys that are really, really, really connected to the NFL mm-hmm. have actual sources, guys that, you know, they talk to around the league and kind of get a, a good vibe. When those guys are starting to say that the NFL teams are out, you have to take notice. I know there's yeah. people that want to that don't want to believe it and be like, "Oh, no way, no way, he's going to be a second or third round pick." But like, no, no. Once we start hearing this stuff around this time of the year, start believing it. Like, remember, we were hearing all this stuff about Tutu Outwell last year, and we were seeing Daniel Jeremiah mock him as a top forty, and every, all of us were crushing him. Everybody, fucking Daniel Jeremiah, you're an idiot. Tutu Atwell as a second, as a first or second round pick, what are you doing? Everybody laughed at him, and then it happened, right? Yep. So, so it is what it is. So that's why I start to pay more attention to what, you know, the, what the NFL, what their pulse is on him. And that's kind of been the consensus is just the NFL just does not like uh, David Bell and that he's probably going to be a day three pick. We'll see, you know, all it takes is one team, you know, I'm sure, you know, I, there could possibly be a couple of a team or two out there that likes him more than everybody else. And, and if that's the case that he does get, you know, a third round pick, you know, then I think, uh, you know, then uh, his, his arrow starts pointing back up. You start getting more excited about him, but if he doesn't, you know, I think you can still take him, you know, and, and a rookie draft is, you know, later round pick. But uh, you just have to lower expectations of whatever it is you thought you had for him. But um, yeah. I think that's kind of the top guys. Is there, you know, is there, is, you know, I think now if there's anybody else that's uh, outside of like the top names uh, that you're that you're kind of excited about. Actually, I know I think there is somebody. Uh, Justin Ross, right? Aren't you high on okay. Justin Ross? I'm yeah. I'm. Oh, are you talking to me or Cody? You. Oh, uh, kind of mid. You know, kind okay. of mid. I'm gonna I'm gonna have him in the lower tiers. Um, good. He he had uh, another one of those guys that kind of um had a, a really really good um uh, freshman season, right? But he's one of those guys too that I I believe kind of suffers from having injuries and just not being consistent. So he's one of those guys that are gonna be uh, that has a good profile. We're talking like consistently hitting inside of the 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 twenty percent threshold for for market share of yards receptions. Um had that age 18 breakout season never really surpassed 30% of the overall um of of the overall market share there at 
um, at any age. But um, with that being said, also from a, an efficiency standpoint too, that first um, that that first year when he when he was kind of going berserk and had that eighteen uh, age eighteen year breakout, a four point three one yards per route run. That guy was an absolute animal, and that is I know I said you know um, uh, earlier when we were talking about George Pickens, I think I had them a little bit mixed up, but that is an elite level of of production right there and efficiency so um and 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 every season that he's played too whether it be inconsistent or not or injury injury riddled he has hovered around that 20 percent threshold of overall production good i like him fair but you just don't hear enough buzz about him in terms of where he might go in the nfl draft and he's one of those guys that feels like he could be the forgotten prince that never could take the throne um in terms of another guy that I really, really like too, and um, you can totally correct me if I'm wrong, I do believe, if I remember, he did have a pretty decent combine. A lot of people were a little bit shocked, but Wandale Robinson is somebody who had a really, really good production throughout um, throughout college. Somebody that I love from a, just an overall um, market share of receiving yards, receptions, had an age, um, an age uh, excuse me, 19 breakout is where I have him maybe 18. No, I have him at, at, at 19. Um, and, and you see him just grab 30% of the overall receiving um, market share there. 45% last year, which is absolutely absurd. He's just a guy that ascended too. like, once he hit that, once he broke that brick wall, it's just boom, just skyrocketed. So I'm intrigued to see where he's going to go anywhere in, in, inside of that day two mark. And I'm going to be hammering him in the middle, you know, middle of the second, maybe, I mean, he's got a, such a good profile that I'm not going to be surprised if 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 a lot of Twitter touts are just like, you know, hey, take him with your early second, or we'll we'll see where he goes. But that's a guy I'm really really intrigued by as well. Um, you know, and he's gonna he's I think he's in that tier, yeah, with with David Bell and Sky Moore, Wandale Robinson kind of hovers in that that third tier for me. So yeah, that's somebody that I'm definitely excited about as well. Cody, you got anybody? Uh, just interested to see where John Mechie goes. I know he was mm-hmm. a name that a lot of people were excited about going into this year, and he produced, and then he just doesn't seem like he's talked about. I know he had that late injury, but uh, I think he's someone who, I, and I mentioned this on the mock draft we just did uh, on Tuesday, but it kind of seems like unless he gets some like shocking you know, draft uh, capital mm-hmm. coming up at the end of the month that he's more more – more than likely going to be like a late two, early three, potentially, you know, depending if, you know, super flex and, and all that stuff. But I don't think we've ever had like a safe, like third round rookie pick, but I think Mechie could absolutely be that. He's going to be a slot guy, good route runner, good hands, you know, uh, a- athletic as well. So interested to see what, especially what kind of draft stock he gets, because like the buzz on him has just absolutely not been there at all. And then uh, small school guy, Jalen Tolbert. I, I like him, and I'm interested to see where, where he lands. Yeah, I, 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 I do like Jalen Tolbert quite a bit. Um, I think guys that have been getting some buzz, uh, Romeo Dobbs, Khalil Shakur, uh, seem to be guys that, uh, um, that, are, that are getting a little bit of buzz, more of a probably you know early day three type guys, um, slot, slot type wide receivers. Alec Pierce, obviously, he had a really good he had a really good combine, but he feels like very much just kind of a one trick go route type wide receiver. I don't think he he's definitely not a nuanced route runner or anything like that. A technician at the position, um, I think if he lands in the right spot, maybe he could end up being like um, 
an MVS type where, you know, he's used kind of uh, more as, as that kind of deep threat, take top off the defense type of guy, more of a best ball option. I don't, he, I don't know if he'll ever be somebody that develops into, you know, more than that. And then, you know, Calvin Austin seems to be a name that's mm-hmm. just gaining a lot of buzz. Um, you know, that people may be surprised at how or how much higher he goes than what people expect. Um, because teams are starting to look for these type of guys, these type of gadget guys. You know, people, we, this is a very copycat league. We saw with the, you know, Devo Samuel, we saw the Cardinals take, um, uh, why is his name escaping me? Rondell Moore. Rondell, um, yeah. Rondell Moore. You know, like we're starting to see more and more of these archetypes where this is what these teams are type of looking for. And I think teams are kind of looking like that with Calvin Austin. And so I think I think he's interesting. And then I also think Kevin Austin from Notre Dame is also a very interesting name. He did really well at the Combine. Um, again, another probably day three guy, but, you know, depending on landing spot, could end up being somebody, you know, a few years down the line, maybe get, you know, gets an opportunity. So I think those are kind of the other names that I think to be looking out for. Um, of course, there's got to be somebody that, that gets drafted that, like, kind of the McCole Hardman, you know, when the Chiefs took him, when DK Metcalf was still sitting on the board, but where everybody's like, what? Who's, who is this? What are we doing? Like, where did this guy come from? Uh, uh, because, you know, that's what the NFL loves to do. But overall, like, this class is definitely not, I don't think, as good. You know, it's definitely not as good as last year's. I don't know if it's even as good as the years before, um, you know, with the Jerry Judy class. Um, I, I don't even know if it's if it's as good as that class either. But I think it has a lot of depth. Um, I don't know if we're going to get a ton of stars from this class, like just dominant, you know, elite wide receivers. But I think we have a lot of really good wide receivers in this class. Yeah, uh, I, I think is the best way to look at it. Yeah, and they're, I mean, on average, you're only going to have about two wide receivers that hit per class, anyways. And we're talking like top twelve seasons, right? And those guys, you get strong indications that those guys are obviously the ones that are drafted very, very early. And if I'm, if I'm like kind of, you know, um. If I'm going to peg two guys as that, it's probably going to be Garrett Wilson and Traylon Burks, uh, you know, pending draft. I mean, a lot of people seem to think that Traylon Burks is just a lost cause, like he's going to go on day two. I don't I don't fucking see it. It's just not it's just not fathomable to me. My world will end if that happens. OK, I will not I will shut it down and I will never evaluate another player if that fucking happens. But those are the two guys. Everyone else after that. You take your upside shots. You look at the guys that were drafted in the first round. You kind of evaluate their 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 analytics or film or however you you know you choose to um, to look at these guys, and that's where you're going to spend your first round draft capital on. It's not a strong running back class. It sure as hell is not a strong tight end class outside like Trey McBride and Dolchitz, who I think has a pretty good chance of going um, um, in you know in some of the earlier rounds. But for me, it's just and it's not a strong quarterback class either, right? We're looking at Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett. I mean. I hope Matt Corral gets gets a nod from you know a team in um in the the, the back end of the first. We'll see what what it's going to look like. But for the most part, when you're looking at this group of wide receivers, and because the average hit rate for a top twelve wide receiver is that you know around two per class, you're looking at Traylon Burks and Garrett Wilson. And outside of that, you're probably going to hedge your bets, and you're going to look at Chris Olave and Drake London. Jamison Williams is probably in that discussion as well. It's just a class that has a bunch of guys that all have a bunch of red flags that aren't very great outside of Traylon Burks. In my opinion, I think Traylon Burks is the, 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 the cleanest one of them all, but everybody else kind of is just, they're just in this class. They're just in this class and you're going to want to buy into the guys who get drafted early and that have solid production in college. And that's kind of where I look at it. And if not get 2023 picks, if you, you know what I'm saying? Like if you're in the back end, back end of the first and all your guys are going, just get out, you know? 
if you really want to. Yeah, I mean, and then, you know, Calvin also played over 90% of his snaps out wide, not a gadget guy, but he's 5'8", 170. So, right. yes, there's Tyree Kills, okay, and, and guys like that, that that can. But the – or even Marquise Brown. I guess Hollywood Brown would be another good example uh, of, of a guy that, that's very small that, that's made it. But – it's not a great. It's not. A, it's not a great big pool of guys that at, at his size that, that have been able to make it. Uh, you know, on the outside or as a you know a true X or a, you know alpha uh, wide receiver. So, anyways, but yes, I, I agree. I think this class, uh, you know, at its core, I think there's some really. I think there's a few guys that I'm excited about. Brees Hall. I think Kitty Walker is exciting, and then you know you have some of the wide receivers. Quarterbacks is dead to me. Um, probably outside of uh, you know Malik Willis, just because of his rushing upside and everything else that he brings to the table, but. Other than that, I mean, I think this class is just kind of is what it is, and uh, you know, next year hopefully uh, is is a lot more is more exciting. I, the quarterback position definitely should be with all the guys that yeah. uh, that should be coming out next. Side year. note though, too, is if you go ahead and especially if you have like the one hundred and one or anything inside anything inside the first two, like if you're not going to punt for you know twenty three first and stuff. Draft a quarterback because they hold value. Look at Trevor Lawrence and Trey Lance this year. Look at Justin Fields. You're going to get a Garrett Wilson or Traylon Burks plus plus next year for Malik Willis. And that's even if Malik Willis does the bare minimum. That's even if he just flashes some semblance of being an NFL quarterback. So there, there, there is a market there. I know we're getting more into like dynasty, you know, build territory there. But like that's my philosophy is that this class is, is not great. There are going to be players. There's players every single class that come out. Every single class that show out and prove that they can be a wide receiver one, a running back one, a quarterback one. Those are the guys that have strong analytical profiles that show up on tape and they get drafted earlier. And those are the ones you want to invest in. Those are the guys that you want. Now, when you're playing that strategy game, just know that this class is not going to be as hyped or as fun as next year's class or even 2024 and 2025. Um, there's going to be a lot of prospects that are coming out. And if you make the right moves in your, in, in your dynasty drafts and you draft the right players, you're going to be able to flip those for better guys down the road. So it's important now to get this, you know, kind of the narrative straight. And I think a lot of people that are into dynasty and that, you know, follow strategically, they understand that like, it is not a strong class, but this is a time where you get in though, because there's not going to be a better time for you to go and grab the assets that have that high upside. And then you're going to flip them for the even, you know, for the Bryce Young, the CJ Stroud, the fingers crossed Spencer Rattler next year, you know, like there's going to be points in this draft. So make sure that if you do have early picks, you're not just throwing them away. You're not, you know, throwing away the 103 and being like, ah, uh, I'll take, you know, a 2023 first random and then, um, you know, just insert player you know what i'm saying don't do that because this class it just like every single class does have a value on it and if you're smart enough and you're able to capitalize you can play the market very very well i'll say 101 i'm going malik willis 10 out of 10 times and i'm going to flip him for whatever i can get in a rebuild i'm going to flip him for whatever i can get and on a contending roster doesn't matter i'm drafting Traylon burks i'm drafting garrett Wilson. i'm drafting Brees hall and you play the game that way because this class again it's not great but it is going to have value year two and beyond. I'm just going to jump in real quick and, uh, and, and let us get out of here before Kev starts talking about Brees Hall as the unquestioned 101. <laughs> we, we, we can't go down that, that rabbit hole. Jesse, appreciate you joining us, man. Good to, good you, to have you back on here. Good to have you back in the space as well. Your, your return to the, to the fantasy space is is definitely welcome. You can find him on Twitter at Jesse Reeves FF. Kev, any any last words before I say go bolts? We, we there will be none of that here. Okay, 
This yes, is a Kansas City Chiefs show here, okay? You just remember that. But uh, no, Jesse. Chargers, baby. Really happy that, you, that we got you back on. We got we got to get you on for a non NFL like prospect talk. You know, yeah. to talk about some more uh, nuanced type stuff. You know, digging a little bit more of the weeds on, on some different topics. Yeah. Um. You know, and uh, a non because I think the last two actually the last one before this was also uh the I think it was what the two thousand was two thousand twenty wide receivers I think yeah. what it was ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I love talking prospects, man. It's so fun, but it is toxic as fuck, man. It's just a toxic <laughs> realm of discussion. And like, I mean, I, I love doing it. I'd mostly do it for myself and I'm more than happy to talk about process and stuff, but I'm way more interested in the team building aspect and probably more about like NFL just in general too. like nothing fantasy related. I just love talking about like the game of football because I don't know, for some weird reason, people just think that I have like the most absurd takes on like how game theory is. And it's just like, like, it's just fun to talk about that stuff. I'd love to talk about prospects though. I appreciate you guys having me on. And anytime you guys come calling, man, I would, I would love to talk about anything, anything football related. We, we we tried to get Debro on, but you know he 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 uh, he actually big time. That guy's a schmuck. Him. Okay, where is he? Where he is, is that guy? Where's Debro? He, he's big time me. So last week, you know, we asked. He said he had something. This week, he said he wasn't feeling well. So like, yeah. okay, yeah. I'll give you the benefit I'm, of the doubt. I'm, I have a sinus infection, and I'm here, Derek. If you can, Derek, if you can hear me right now, <laughs> calling you out, brother. Calling yeah, you out. So then I asked him. I asked him. I said, "Hey, man. Hey, you, you coming on the show?" He and he was like. He kept slow playing me, so I, I knew this was coming because, like, like Sunday, he was like, he was like, "Hey, man, what day are you guys thinking? What what day is Jesse available?" I said, "Well, I was like, I think he's available just about any day, but I think there may, uh, but like Thursday would work the best. We could do Thursday, Wednesday, or Thursday. That would work better." And uh, he's like, "Okay, didn't hear from him. So yet today, I I messaged him. Hey, man, you coming on?" He's like, "Oh, dude, uh, I got this bad cough. I can barely talk. All this stuff." I'm like, "Okay, man, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Cool, man." And then I see him sitting out a tweet saying that he's jumping on Twitter Spaces uh, at five thirty. Everybody mm. jump in and talk big, to me, and I'm like, "Big time, us." I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me right now, you <laughs> son of a bitch, D bro? We're gonna talk about it. We'll but, get him on a post draft. We'll get him yeah. on a post draft, and we'll, we'll, we'll get him on. We'll get all the boys together, and, and we'll do this again. And then I'm, I'm just gonna berate him for five minutes. We're yeah, after after Kenneth Walker, his RB one goes in the third round. And becomes uh, just uh, irrelevant, just absolutely irrelevant. We watch Brees Hall get drafted at like 15 or something absurd, and we can just blast him for that. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. No, again, though, I appreciate you guys. Cody, Kev, thank you guys so much for having me on, man. I really do appreciate it. Always a pleasure to be here. And I hope whoever's listening learns something. Not from me, from these two, but learn something. Yeah, and I appreciate everybody checking it out. And like I said, you can follow him on Twitter at Jesse Reeves FF. And we will see you guys again, I'm sure, next week with uh, what? I don't know. But have a good weekend. And uh, MLB is back. Opening day was today. So if you're into that sort of thing, hopefully. Masters. The Masters, bro. The Masters. The Masters. Tiger Woods the out here. The only Tiger thing Woods that matters in my life right now, man. Tiger the Woods Masters. is back. So it's good to see that. But uh, other than that, we'll see you guys next week. Have a good night. Bye. Closing time. Turn all of the lights on over every boy and every girl. Closing time. One last call for alcohol. So finish your whiskey or beer. Closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here.
time for you to go out to the places you will be from. I know who I want to take me home. I know who I want to take me home. I know who I want to take me home. Some other beginnings end.